Last week, and don't worry, I feel like we're coming back here. I feel like God's going to do some, something just in the end that we need, we need to do. Uh, last week, we started this revi- uh, the series called Revival. We looked at the Hebrew word for what revive meant or revival means. Anybody remember what that word, how, how to say that? What is it? Hayah, Hayah. And uh, that's actually the way it's pronounced. But here's what it means, if you'll pull that up for me. To live or cause to live, to stir up or rekindle as a fire, to recover from a state of neglect, obscurity, or depression, to refresh with joy or hope. If there was ever a time that the church needed that, it's now. Because I believe we've been neglecting the Spirit of God in our services. I believe we've just started doing church. And not really seeking Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do in the church or in the services. And we need a rekindling. I I know. How many would say, hey, I need a rekindling of joy and hope? Yeah. If if you're not one of those, well, great for you. I need it almost every day, a rekindling of joy and hope. But last week we we looked at this, how to almost have revival. And we looked at the life of Joash, King Joash, who, when you first see Joash, man, he had all the appearances of what a revival looked like. He, I mean, things were going well, but then by the end of Joash's, or not even by the end, very soon after that, you see Joash has completely turned his back on God, has reinstated the worship of idols. And we talked about this, true revival starts with a posture of the heart. You might remember that. That's not the problem for most people, including myself. The problem is that 13-inch journey between the heart and the mind. This is what keeps most of us trapped from revival. This is what keeps most of us trapped from a breakthrough. Are you here? Come on. Can anybody relate? This right here is what keeps most of us trapped, that 13-inch journey from here to here. And if I'm being honest with you, that's what I'm battling today. That's where I'm at. Because I know, I don't know if God just has a sense of humor or he just loves messing with me or maybe both. But I thought I had the, the message prepared and I was feeling pretty good going about halfway through the day on Tuesday. Then God began to change it. And he changed it. And I'm like, and now by the end of the week, I'm like, God, do you know what I was going to be dealing with? And I know the answer to that. And God was like, yeah, you're going to need it just as much as anybody else. What I'm about to pour into you and what I'm about to say to you. And, and I went. Uh, Denise had some friends come over yesterday to talk and pray with her and and I told her, I said, well, I'm going I'm to go to a movie. I, 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 so I went out and saw the new Creed. And uh, there's one part in that movie, and I'm going to tell you, God speaks to me through just stuff that you would think are no way God speaks to you. But I'm sitting there in the theater by myself, and don't feel sorry for me because I love going to the movies by myself. I don't have to talk to anybody, don't have to entertain anybody, don't have to tell anybody to shut up because I'm trying to, I just pay good money to watch this movie, and I don't want to talk to you, we'll talk afterwards. So I love going by myself. Uh, But I'm sitting there, and it's the final fight scene 
where him and the bad guy are going at it. And the bad guy's really good in this movie because you hate this guy. You hate him. And oh, Creed, man, Adonis goes back to his corner. And his coach, or the, his ring, says something to him that just really gripped me. And he says, Adonis, you've been boxing. But what I need you to do is go out there and fight. I need you to lay down the guilt, the fear, the doubt, and go fight. And I believe that's what God began to speak to me through that movie. And it ruined the rest of the movie because now my mind is working. What do you got, God, what are you saying to me? So I'm like, we've been playing church. And God has said, no, 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 it's time to fight. Fight. Because there is a war going on. And if you watch the movie, you know that a, a Creed's character has got a lot of guilt because of something that happened to his friend when he was uh, little and, and small. And, he's got to, and he said, you've got to let go of all of that and fight. And I believe that's where we're at today. And God is saying, I need, you need a revival of the mind. Because a lot of us are weighed down with junk. Come on. Are you with me? We're weighed down with junk. And here's one of the things I've had to come to, to, to terms with in my life as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible does it imply, follow me and all will go well for you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say this, follow me and you will never deal with sickness or disease. Follow me, you'll never deal with anxiety or depression. Follow me, you'll never deal with financial difficulties. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever even imply those things. Are you hearing me? In fact, when you read the Bible, there's some guys that dealt with a lot of junk. Heroes of our faith. And this heaviness, you see it. David is one of them, man. And you read the Psalms, and you read... Uh, first, second Samuel, man, he's, he's bipolar at times. I mean, one minute he's praising God, next minute he's cussing him out. I mean, it's back and forth, back and forth. God, why is this going on? Why is this going on? Oh, praise you, Jehovah. And in fact, when you, David, the Bible says, what does God call David? I'm after it, man after his own heart. So how does a man after God's heart find himself Feeling this way, Psalms 42, 5. Why are you in despair, O oh my soul? Why have you become disturbed in me? The NIV says this, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? NLT, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Can anybody relate? Why is my heart so downcast? The Hebrew word there for downcast. Is this, is this word that literally and or figuratively means to sink into mire, a depression of the mind, or to bow to? To bow to. To bow to. I think David says, why am I bowing to this discouragement? Why am I bowing to what's going on in my life right now? Why are you downcast? Why are you discouraged? Maybe you can more relate to the way the passion paraphrased it. It says, why are you so depressed? Why are you sinking into despair? 
And maybe you've asked yourself that question over the past year, month, week, or even an hour. Why is this going on? Why am I feeling the heaviness in my mind, the weightiness in my mind? And so I want to give you three possible reasons that your mind may be heavy. And then we're going to go into a time of ministry because I believe God's going to free some people up. I believe one of the reasons your mind may be heavy is this, hurts from the past. Hurts that you thought you had let go of. But then you see someone or see something, and it takes you right back to that place. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? You thought you had forgiven that person until you're walking through Walmart, and you see them at the other end, and you said, nope, not today, and you walk around to the other out to avoid them. Come on. You thought you were past that hurt till you hear a song, and then it brings up an old memory. Hurts in the past that are still there. Maybe a spouse betrayed you or left you. A parent walked out of your life or they were never there in the first place. Maybe a friend betrayed your trust or you were fired, let go from a job, and you think it was unjustly done. Maybe there was an opportunity that came your way that you didn't take, and now you have regrets about not ever stepping out and taking it. Maybe it was someone that should have been your protector. Keep or watch over you. Instead, they touched you in ways they never should have. And you still got hurt from your past. Maybe it's something you said or did that you wish you could take back. Maybe you lost your kids to an addiction or even a marriage to an addiction. Or get this, maybe you're the abuser. You were the one that caused someone pain. And that keeps coming back to your mind. The heaviness, the weightiness from the past, those hurts, things you never really dealt with. But now they're there. This is one of the things that the prophet Jeremiah dealt with. Look at Lamentations 3, 19, 20. Jeremiah says, I remember my affliction and my wanderings, the bitterness and gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Remember, David said, why are you so downcast? Why am I sinking into this ugly place? Why am I bowing to these emotions, these feelings? And Jeremiah said, when I think about it, when I remember, when I have those painful memories, my soul and my mind begins to bow down within me, and I begin to seek into those dark, ugly places. Come on, anybody know, know what I'm talking about? I know you do. And as some of you, you didn't realize it until now. That you've been bowing down to old memories. You've been allowing those memories to govern your attitude. To govern the way you feel that day. To govern whether you even get up out of bed that day. To govern whether or not you take a drink. To govern whether or not you take a pill. To, end the, to ease the pain. And you've been bowing down to those feelings. Let me tell you this right now. That is not God's will for you. Come on, I thought I'd get more amen. That is not God's will for you. 
See, I know there's some real hurts in this room and some watching online. I know things have been done to you or said to you that are indescribable and there are things that keeps coming to your mind. But God's will for you is not to keep reliving those things over and over and over again until it takes you to that dark place. That is not God's will for you. God can and wants to set you free, church. Second reason, our minds get heavy. Things in the now. Stuff going on right now in your life. Situations, problems, sicknesses you're dealing with right now. Maybe a separation or divorce papers that came. An illness, a doctor's report. You find out one of your kids struggling in, in some area of their life. Or this bill shows up and now you've got this debt hanging over you. Or what about this one? You thought you were retiring, you and your wife. But now you're having to be parent to your grandkids because of choices your kids made. It's very real. Maybe it's a sin that you just can't seem to shake, but it's right now. And I don't know what it is, but you, you know. You know what's going on in your life right now, what's causing you to feel this. Maybe you feel like Job when one of his friends showed up. Remember Job, he had some great friends that showed up and offered comfort. Job's going through some stuff. He's telling his friends how he, how he, how he feels about life, what's going on with him right now. And instead of them just allowing him to vent, for some reason they feel the need to speak up. Can I tell you, sometimes your friend just wants to be able to vent. And tell you what's going on in their life. Not for you to offer a solution to them. Anyway, one of his friends shows up. How's this for a friend? Now you're the one in trouble, Job. You're hurting. You've been hit hard. And you're reeling from the blow. Wow, thank, thank you, friend. I didn't realize that. What a crappy friend you are. Come on, I ain't tell what you want to say. Except you don't want to say crap. Come on, I ain't the only one in here. Don't sit back there with your halos. <laughs> and here's the thing. Some of you, that's where you're at. You feel like you've been hit hard. You, you feel like you're in a whirlwind with a blow that's been dealt to you. And, and maybe you brought it on yourself, maybe you didn't. That is not the point at all. You know, that you still, you feel the heaviness of what's going on right here and now. The third reason your mind may be heavy, worry about tomorrow. Come on. I mean, Bob called me, um, I forget what day it was, Thursday or Friday, I think it was, and he said, you know, it's when the storms were going through, or one of our, comu our, our, our computer that does all our lights crashed, it would not come back on. And he starts going through, man, I'll just tell you this, PK, if we've lost this, that's hundreds of hours. I said, Bob, and I told, I was telling someone, I said, I think my capacity for people that want to automatically assume the worst is I have none. I have none. Because I said, hey, Bob, why don't we worry about that when it gets here? Right now, we've got enough stuff we're worrying about. If that happens... 
then we'll figure out what we're going to do from there. That is my personality, though. We talked about this uh, where, where Denise is, she's trying to get three or four steps ahead of me. I'm like, hey, it happened. Some, we'll figure something else. Let's go. Let's roll with it. So, but, but maybe that's some of you. You've got those worries about tomorrow. What if things never get better? What if we have another strain of COVID hit? Come on. Come on. What if there's another shooting? What if? What if this happens? What if that happens? And we weigh ourselves down with worrying about things we have no control over. We have no control over the economy. We have no control over what's going on out there. But yet we'll weigh ourselves down. And our mind becomes so heavy worrying about tomorrow that we end up missing the good things that are happening right now. Can I tell you, if you're one of those that worries about tomorrow or thinking about, you kind of get a heaviness thinking about tomorrow, you're, not, you're in good company. Jesus felt that way too at one time. I think we forget that, yeah, Jesus was 100% God, but yet 100% man too. You remember the night that Jesus was arrested? He's in the garden talking to his father and he began to think about what he's about to go through. Remember that? He began to think about the, the brutality that was about to be unleashed on his body. And he's like, God, if there's another way. In fact, the Bible says he became so overwhelmed that he began to sweat drops of blood. And you hear him later say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Another way of putting it, where are you, God? What's going on, God? Mark writes down some of Jesus' words the night that they're in the garden. In Mark 14, it says, Jesus took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Here's what Jesus said about himself. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus himself felt the weightiness, the heaviness of what tomorrow was going to bring. Jesus himself. Is that you? Do you start to feel or, or get overwhelmed just thinking about tomorrow? Mark Batterson, in his book, Win the Day, which I highly recommend, he tells the story of a guy named William Osler. Osler would later become uh, not called the father of modern medicine. He became knighted as Sir William by the King of England. But in the book, Osler didn't know any of that was going to happen in his life. He was working. He was struggling. He, and he says this. Osler says this. All I knew was that I was overwhelmed by what I felt was the weight of the world. That's some of you. You can't see anything else. You can't see the possible good outcome. All you can see is the feel is the weight of the world feels like it's on you right now. Osler says that during that time that he was feeling overwhelmed, he said he came across 22 words that were written by Scottish historian Thomas Carlyle. He said those 22 words changed everything. He said they were this, our grand business undoubtedly is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. He said, those 22 words changed me. It's not to worry about what lies at a distance, but to deal with what is at hand right now. 
Get this, Osler would later write this. The load of tomorrow added to that of yesterday, carried today, makes even the strongest falter. We're paralyzed by things we cannot change, the past. And we're crippled by things we cannot control, the future. Wow. The last part of this quote is in your notes. He says this. Let go of dead yesterdays and unborn tomorrows. That's right there is worth the whole thing for some of you. Let go of dead yesterdays, the past, and unborn tomorrows. Because some of you are feeling the heaviness. You feel the heaviness of the hurts in your past. And I'm not trying to belittle what was, what was said or happened to you. But here's the truth. You cannot change what was said or done to you. And you can either choose to stay there and get better or get bitter. You cannot change the loss you suffered. But you cannot also live in your past hurts. Other views, others of you, the heaviness is what's going on in your life right now. That's kind of where I'm at. What's going on right now? There's some things going on right now that is causing you to feel this heaviness. Causing your mind to go places it should not go. Come on. For some of you, it's the worry of about tomorrow, things you have no control of. My dad used to say this. He said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. See, it doesn't matter which one of those you fall into, whether it's your past hurts, whether it's the now, whether it's worry about tomorrow. In fact, some of you say, well, Kelly, I fall into all three. But it doesn't matter. Here's what matters. You need to know that you do not have to allow those things to keep you bound to fear, doubt, bitterness, unforgiven. You can be set free. I'm telling you, don't settle into this mindset of, well, this is just the way it is. This is just my life. I'm always going to live with this heaviness. I'm always going to be the worrier. That's just part of my nature. Yeah, well, take on a new nature. You don't have to live that way. Can I tell you, God wants to bring revival to your mind. Rekindle joy. Anybody need some joy and hope rekindled? Man, I do. I do. And I believe one of the keys to that is this. Transparency. Transparency. My, man, my wife will tell me, Kelly, sometimes you are just too transparent from the stage. And, and here's the truth. I seem very transparent. But here's also the truth. If there's something really, really gnawing at me, it's hard for me to even reach out to my brothers and say, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. Would you mind praying with me? Because it's hard to, to be very transparent when people look at you and you're supposed to be the strong one, right? Come on, anybody, anybody with me? It's hard to be transparent. It's hard, for, it's hard for us to acknowledge to someone, hey, I'm struggling here. That's one of the things I love, again, about David. It was his just willingness to just be real and raw and lay it out there before God. Uh, in, in Psalms 142, David is hiding in a cave. Now, David, David has already been anointed by God's prophet to be king. He's not king yet. So he knows the call of God on his life, yet he's hiding in a cave. 
from the current king, Saul, because Saul wants to kill him. And in that cave, David says this, I pour out before him my complaint, and before him I tell him my trouble. Jump down three verses to five. I cry out to the Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. David says, God, I'm going to bring you my complaints. I'm bringing you my hurts, my fears, my doubts, what's going on inside. Because here's what I know. Despite what everything else is saying, I know deep down you are still my refuge. You are still my place of safety. And I can run to you. But you need to know I am desperate. Maybe desperate, as Ben said earlier, is not a bad place to be. What about Job? Man, you remember his story? If you're not familiar, let, let, let me give you a cliff note for Job's life. Job was wealthy, had seven sons, three daughters. Satan comes to God and says, hey, uh, uh, I've been roaming around looking for somebody to, to just mess with. And God's like, it's, again, it's God. Hey, have you thought about Job? He's one y'all to go mess with. And Satan's like, hey. The only reason Job is faithful to you is because you're so good to him. The only reason he, he's faithful to you, because he's, he's, got, he's got wealth, he's got family, he's well respected. You take those things away from Job and he will not be faithful to you anymore. And God says, go for it. You gotta love God. Do whatever you want, you just can't take his life. Well, this is what happens. Job gets word that his servants have been killed. The Sabians have, have made off with all of his ox, his donkeys. And while he's getting that report, well, here comes another report. The Chaldeans came in. They stole all your camels, killed all your servants. While he's getting that report, another report comes in. Hey, a tornado has swept through your, the house where your kids were. All your kids are dead. Hmm. Then Job gets infected with these wounds, these sores. That the Bible says are so bad, he literally takes pieces of broken pottery and begins to scrape the sores with them. And the only thing Job is left with is his wife, who tells him he's a foolish man. And you're like, God, are you serious? Taking everything else. But then Job's friends show up. You think friends would show up to help you, help you carry the weight. But here's one of the problems with some friends. Hey, hey, uh, Jacob, come here, man. Sit down in this chair for me. Jacob shows up. The only thing is, he adds to my weight. I mean, now, good Lord. Let me tell you, some friends, if you allow them to speak into your life, they only add to your weight. They only, they'll come in, you're right. Man, you're, I don't even know how you've made it this far. Good Lord, everything that's happened to you, God bless your soul. They only add to the, the stuff you're going through. But then you got friends. 
Come up here, Casey. Come up here, Harvey. Let me see what I got. Mike. No, 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 no. Here's what we're doing. I'm casting this friend that has only been weight to me to the side. You shed that friend. And you surround yourself with men. Do, you, do we need another man? Hey, please don't don't drop me. Don't be like don't don't let this be a a oh I feel like I'm at old Jewish wedding. Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. That's what you need in your life. Friends that will come to you. Maybe they just sit there and listen to you, or maybe they say, you know what. I'm with you, man, but you need to know I'm here. But I'm not about to let you drag your mind to those dark places. You, do you know what God's done for you? I don't want to get ahead of myself. Those are the people you need in your life. But his friends show up, and they begin to say stuff to him like this. How dare you talk to God that way? How dare you question God, bring God with all those questions? And here's the problem. Job is just laying out what's going on inside of him. Here's what I love about this story. Toward the end of the book of Job, Job, uh, God comes down, has his talk with Job, and then he calls Job and his three friends together, has a conversation with them. And I love this because here's what he says to them. After the Lord has said these things to Job, after he said his meeting to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your other two friends because you've not spoken the truth about me as your servant Job has. God didn't get angry at Job because of all the questions. He didn't get angry at Job because he was doubting some things. He said, I'm angry at you because maybe you just should have showed up, sat with him, kept your mouth shut, and comforted him. But instead, you spewed lies that were not me. He said, you showed up acting like you had all your stuff together. Instead of showing up saying, man, I'm going to hurt with you. I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to go the distance with you. Those are the kind of friends you need in your life. But the thing is, some of you need to get very real and raw with God. And until you get real honest with what you're carrying and what's going on in your mind, you will still carry the weight of that heaviness around your mind. See, what what I love about God, God... God gave us permission to dump it all on him. You know that, don't you? I mean, you, you look at 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, cast all your cares. Cast all your junk. Cast all your worries. Your fear. Cast it all on me. Why? Because he cares for us. Be transparent. And I'm going to close. 2 Chronicles 32, there's a story about the king of Assyria, coming to invade and wage war against Jerusalem. And the king of Assyria has this massive army backing him. And Hezekiah, the king of Judah, he knows the people are scared because they've heard, hey, the king of Assyria, he's got a, man, the army is huge and they're coming for you. And he knows they're scared. So, so what King Hezekiah does, he says, he's, he, let, let's gather for a locker room speech. 
I'm going to pump you up. I'm going to get you ready for this battle. Here's what he says. Be strong and courageous. That's a good start. Right? Don't be discouraged or afraid because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. Why'd you have to bring that up, Hezekiah? Why? I mean, stop with being strong and courageous. Let's stop there. But no, he says, hey, Hezekiah isn't saying there isn't an army coming. He isn't saying that there's not a real threat involved here. He's not denying that there's a bad situation about to happen. He's saying, listen, be strong and courageous. Why? For there is a greater power with us than with them. And then he goes on, with him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. See, if you're a father, listen, I'm not saying you deny, come on, you, you know the people, that I, I've said this so much, you ask somebody, you know they're walking through hell and back, and you say, hey, how you doing? Oh, blessed, holy favor, when you know they've got real issues. I'm not saying to deny but what I'm saying is, hey, yeah, there's real issues. There's problems. But that's only the arm of flesh. You need to understand, I've got God Almighty fighting for me and with me. He is on my side. See, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead, I would say that takes a lot of power to boost a dead person back to life. Come on. He said, that same power lives in you as a believer. Lives in you. So here's a big question. When we're closing, <laughs> so when you have somebody come to the piano, it makes at least y'all believe that I am closing. <laughs> here's the big question. Do we believe all that? Do we, do we believe those scriptures or is it just something we quote? I think we find it easy to believe for other people, but it's hard to believe for ourselves. Do we believe verses like 2 Timothy 1, 7, 7 where it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love of a sound mind. Kelly, what does it even mean to have a sound mind? I found this interesting in my study. The Greek word here is, and I'm not even going to attempt to say it. It only shows up one time in the Bible. That's here. It's here. Here's what it means. It is an admonishing or calling to a soundness of mind, to moderate your mind. Other versions will say he has called it a spirit of love, of power, and self-control. Here's the problem. When you rely on willpower or self-control, when your mind is heading to that dark place, self-control don't do a whole lot. Willpower don't do a whole lot. See, Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, from a prison cell. And because everything that Paul has gone through himself, he knows this, Timothy's going to need some encouragement. He's going to need something more than just self-control or discipline for the battles he's going to face. Because Paul was doing God's work, yet he's in prison. 
So right before Paul tells Timothy, hey, God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. Paul gives Timothy another command. Anybody know what it is? Write this right up leading up to it. Stir up the gift. Fan into flame the gift of God. Anybody remember what Jesus said he was leaving as a gift when he left? What was it? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I believe Paul was telling Timothy, hey, stir up the Holy Spirit within you. Because that is the only way when these battles start hitting you right, that is the only way you will genuinely have a sound mind is by stirring up the Holy Spirit in you. That is the only way. You're going to be faced with things and you think, God, I thought you were for me. And you're going to need to stir up the gift of the Spirit to remind you He is for you. See, Paul was writing from a prison cell. So he knew there, there was, with Timothy and the other followers of Jesus, there was this very real fear that they could be in prison or death. See, fear was a very real driving force in that day. Nothing like it is now. Come on, you know I'm kidding. Fear is a big driving force in the world today. I mean, come on, when COVID hit, how much fear? How much fear was trying to drive into us? The economy, how much fear? It's all driven. It, the news headlines, driven by fear. Uh, fear is one, if not the favorite tool of our enemy, Satan. And Paul was like, Timothy, this world is going to throw everything it's got at you. And when it does, I need you to stir up the gift. And remember this, God has not given you the spirit of fear. Don't be afraid. Everybody else is afraid. Everybody else is worried. Not you. You have a mind of power, of strength, and a sound mind. I need you to remember that. I need you to remember your mindset is not governed by your circumstances or situation or a doctor's report or a bill. Your mind is going to be governed by the Holy Spirit and what you know is true about God and His character. Let's do it. Let's close this out. I'm going to close with a scripture we actually opened up with. David, the man after God's own heart, found himself feeling like this. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become so disturbed within me? See, that's where we stopped earlier. And the problem for most of us is that's where we stop. Why am I so depressed? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so overwhelmed? Why am I feeling this heaviness on me? And here's the thing. It's okay to ask those questions, but you cannot stay in that mindset. David asked God the hard questions, but then he stops. Look at it. Why are you in deep despair on my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hold up, hold up, hold up. Put your hope in God. David begins to preach to himself. Why, why are you putting your hope in God for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. When David starts feeling this heaviness in his mind, he begins to preach to himself. 
Let me tell you, if you're at home, you're at work, you're in the car, you're at Walmart, you're wherever, and you start feeling the heaviness in your mind, stop right there and say, hold up, put your hope in God. My hope's not in the doctor, my hope's not in the government, my hope's not in the economy, my hope is in God. Stop what you're doing. Is he not faithful? Is he not a good father? Has he not come through for you before? Is he not bigger than your circumstances you're facing right now? Then put your hope in God. And David says, and I'm going to praise him. Remember Jeremiah in Lamentations. He said, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and gall. I well remember them. And my soul is heavy. Bowels didn't remember that. Just like David, Jeremiah didn't stop there. Look what he says in verse 21. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, I'm not consumed. Jeremiah says, I remember when I start beginning to think about my past hurts. When I start thinking about what I'm dealing with right now. When I start worrying about tomorrow, I call to mind and I remember that he loves me and I ain't dead yet. I'm still alive and kicking. There's still life left in his body. And I remember this, his compassion never fails. He goes on, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. When I remember and my mind starts to wonder, I re- wait, wait, wait. Great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah's like, yeah, the facts are this. This is what's going on in my life. But I'm not going to let my mind dwell on what is in the past, what is in the present or in the future. I will say to myself, I will preach to myself, so great is God's faithfulness. God's portion is there. I will wait for him. I tell you, you cannot constantly think about the bad, what may happen. At some point, you have to shift gears and remember his faithfulness. Tell your soul to remember. Tell tell, tell your mind to remember the times that you prayed and God showed up. Anybody got any of those? Come on, anybody got any time that you prayed? You didn't deserve it, but God still showed up. Yeah. Remember the time when you prayed for something and there was no humanly way possible it could happen but God. Remember a time when you didn't know how you were going to make it, but God showed up and provided Remember the time when you were reading the Bible and you were going through it, but that one verse spoke life back into you. Remember the time you're driving down the road and you're dealing with the junk and that song comes on the radio. Who do you think? That's not coincidence. Remember that time when you came to church and it felt like it was just you and God. Stand with me. So I look back. I look back and I remember God's faithfulness in my life. I remember when I was hurting and running from God in Northern California. 
God restored me back to him. I remember God healing. I remember God holding Denise and I tight when we walked through the loss of a child. I remember God healing our marriage when it would have been a lot easier just to walk away. I remember him holding me tight when I lost my dad and later lost my mom. I dwell on his faithfulness, not on hurts from my past, not on what's going on right now, not what may happen tomorrow, but this is God is faithful. He's faithful, guys. He is faithful, and he wants to do a revival in some minds today. I'm going to ask Sharon to sing this song. And there's a point in this song where it talks about begin to prophesy over you or preach over yourself. But I believe God is wanting to restore a sound mind. So here's, here, here's the altar. You got a heaviness in your mind? You prone to that heaviness in your mind? You don't have to live that way. And share them against the saying, step out find yourself up here and I'm going to tell you you'll find Jesus right here letting you know you do not have to do this alone tell him are you going to tell us to close your eyes no this is it you want it sometimes you got to step out of your comfort zone to get it share in the chaos you are the peace 